Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the first ever podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2021, with a focus on the building blocks of happy humans and how health coaches support along the way. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest compendium of research, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. the Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium by your coach. And you are joining us for a session on sleep and why sleep is important to your health, to your well-being, all of those different things, how you can incorporate it in your coaching practice or just learn more new tools that we have on the market to help your clients and yourself. So my name is Christine Hansen. I'm the CEO of Sleep Like a Boss, and I am going to host this beautiful panel with three amazing experts that we have here. We have Sophie Bostocks, the founder of the Sleep Scientist from the UK, Dr. Jenna Carl, the Chief Medical Officer of Big Health located in the US, and we have Riley Jarvis, the CEO of the Sleep Consultant in Canada. So as you can see, we are beautifully global multinational. And so first off, to start off, I'm going to ask each of our panelists to say a couple of words about what they focus on, because sleep is such a huge topic that you are certainly aware of. And I think it's always beautiful to see what kind of highlight each one of you has. So I'm just going to do it the way that I see you on my screen. So Sophie, you would be the first one. Welcome. Amazing. Thank you very much, Christine. Uh, and I guess if I had to try and pinpoint my passion, it's really around sleep and performance. So I work with businesses, I work with sports teams, the military, and also the police here in the UK to deliver training around sleep science and fatigue management. And it's really about helping people get the best version of themselves more of the time. Beautiful. I love that. The super specific, you know, and sleep like a boss is very more holistic. So it's more to get any sleep at all. And then here we have sleep optimization. So that's really, really interesting. Now, Riley, I know you do something similar, but also a little bit different with a spin. So tell us a little bit about, because it's so interesting, you are the sleep expert and you're the sleep consultants. So <laughs> what are we, what are the differences? What are you focusing on? What do you love doing? Yeah. Hi, everyone. So I'm the CEO of The Sleep Consultant, and I specifically work with top-level um, executives, C-level executives, and entrepreneurs as well. But I really focus in on the optimization piece, and we use a lot of tech involved, for example, the ordering, which I'm using now. People who really want to get from like, like that 80 to 95 and really just hone in on, on their biology to get that last couple percent. That's where I help them out. That's what I think is fascinating. So I can't wait to dive into this discussion because we can really go from basics to super, super focused. And mm -hmm. then obviously super interesting. We have Jenna. I'm just saying you with your first name. I hope that's okay. <laughs> so you actually have a very different spin. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're sort of on the other end of the spectrum. Um, so I, I, uh, I'm the chief medical officer at Big Health and Big Health, we're really focused on focusing on leveraging technology, so using digital therapeutics um, to address poor sleep and insomnia 
um, and other areas of mental health, but it's really as a focus, um, it's a focus on mental health. And so, you know, we're focused more on people who are at a starting point, you know, are, are um, not, uh, not getting a healthy enough sleep. Um, and, uh, and at that, you know, at that level, it can be really impacting their broader health, their broader mental health. Um, and so we're really looking to create scalable ways that more individuals can get access to those evidence-based, um, you know, uh, techniques for improving their, their sleep to get it at, up to a good level. And then they probably need to work with Riley and Sophie to get, to get to that level of like really peak performance and, um, improved sleep. Yeah. And I love that. I think, you know, we're meeting everyone at wherever they are. So for you who are listening, either you might have sleep issues yourself or you just want to perfect them. Or what I guess is that most of you will have clients who have street sleep struggles. And when I go to pretty much any general health coaches website or wellness coaches website, it will list sleep improvement. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think it is something that we have to address and just generally sleep is obviously so important because it is connected to so many things so actually I would love to connect back with you Jenna on this topic because you just said that you start holistically and at the same time it might even seem like a juxtaposition but you combine it with technology as well kind of so can you maybe talk a little bit more about that and why you decided to actually choose that research field yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, sleep is really the foundation of good health. Uh, and it is also, it's an area of health that gets quite easily disturbed. And so if you think about the rate of, of people around the world that are experiencing really like clinically poor sleep, and we're talking about 20% of the population, you know, that that's, which is just, you know, a huge amount. And that level of poor sleep is impacting very basic functioning and health risk you know, beyond like also, as we know, like the experience, which can be quite awful and distressing and can trigger mental health problems, but, you know, it's linked with high blood pressure, increased risk of heart disease, um, diabetes, like all kinds of really significant chronic health problems. And so that is, you know, why um, it's been, it's been seen as kind of like an under-targeted like health priority and mental health priority. And so I think a lot of like, I'm a clinical psychologist, a lot of folks like me, have been really interested in how much better we can kind of get everyone's mental health by focusing on the super common relatable starting point, which, you know, everyone sleeps and everyone wants to sleep well. Uh, and, you know, and just to address the specific technology piece, you know, for us, um, this is true in the US, but it's also true around the world. And in some cases, even worse than in the US, you know, people cannot get access to the leading evidence-based behavioral approaches for sleep, um, which is typically based on cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is the first line recommendation for medical organizations around the globe. The first line for insomnia or sleep is CBT, but it is impossible to get access to the, those appropriate treatments. And so, you know, our, that's why we've focused on fully automated technology-based treatments that can give people that best-in-class set of techniques um, you know, that they can access instantly wherever they need. Um, and, you know, they don't have to go talk to their doctor to get access to it. Um, though, you know, in some cases they can, we actually just launched across the whole of, um, Scotland, 
yesterday through the Scotland's national health system. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time, but um, but, um, you know, so you, so in some places you can go to your doctor and get access to programs like ours, but you also don't have to, because we know that, you know, there's many people around the world are struggling with these issues and they're not necessarily thinking, oh, I need to talk to my doctor about this. They may just, you know, be searching online or, um, looking for more really accessible, um, treatments. So that's, that's kind of why we focused on it and why I've been focused on it, um, from a professional standpoint. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And we will talk a little bit more about how people who have a health coach practice maybe can incorporate some of the things that you have developed for them so we'll we'll circle back to that now Sophie it's really interesting to me because we have so many corporations and you know all official like police force military and so forth getting in touch with you to talk about sleep which might you know if we just think very stereotypically you would think they want to have super kung fu combat styles you know and then they come and there seems to be like a vibe okay the sleep thing might be important after all how do they get to that point to realizing that like I can imagine that it's not you necessarily going there and saying hey I have this to sell but they actually approach you how what what is happening how to put this bluntly I mean money talks um if a company or an organization is is suffering because their people are are not able to turn up to work or they're not as productive as they could be then then the output of the company suffers I mean I think to be completely honest in this day and age everybody actually cares about well-being not just from a productivity standpoint but also from a kind of ethical standpoint of looking after their people and doing what they can to support them um but the bottom line is companies are going to invest in things which which make the company grow and that get the best out of their people and sleep as jenna has said you know if you've got 20% of your population who's suffering from a chronic sleep problem then the productivity impairment is huge the impairment to their well-being their ability to function as part of a team to train other people to empathize to listen all of their um, their skills, their knowledge, you, you can't make the most of that when people are, are struggling with poor sleep. So at, at, at one end of the spectrum, you've got people who've got a real sleep problem and it's kind of about taking them, uh, helping them, sort of curing them. But then as Riley said, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who maybe their sleep is at 70%, maybe 80%, but these people have never had sleep education. Most of us didn't learn about sleep in school. We didn't learn about it at university. And there's some really pretty fundamental basics about how sleep works that people just don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty about that. So there's some quite simple stuff around education um, that can help people to you know, get, get from wherever they are uh, to the next level. And that's gonna make the company more successful and it's gonna make uh, ultimately whole teams more successful i agree i totally agree however we know that (laughs) how surprised are people sometimes to hear that because this is also and i'm thinking about who is listening to this selling health can be a real challenge selling sleep can sometimes be even a challenge unless you have someone you know who's like really dying because they're so tired but otherwise it can be challenging to convince people or to explain to them that this is actually impacting your company or everyone so what are maybe some moments or even some some I don't some scenarios that you can use or even for any health coach to make sure that people actually take this seriously and prioritize 
what have you found has been like a real aha moment for the old sleep skeptics who are more on the oh, sleep is just, you know, it's just for the week. I am a Thomas Edison fan, you know, light bulb for the win. So what can you, what have you found to be for you something where people then actually go, right, she might be onto something? Uh, for me personally, mm -hmm. um, I I work with these. I'm, I'm sure everybody's got their I own. I know everyone, so I'm going to pick yeah. all of your brains. <laughs> So, so, you know, data talks and your own data probably talks more than anybody else's. Um, but uh, with the military in particular, I will get them to do a very simple test of reaction time. So one of the ways that we test for sleeplessness in the lab is using something called the psychomotor vigilance task, which sounds fairly terrifying. It's incredibly straightforward. It's just a reaction time test. So you stare at a blank screen and some numbers pop up and you have to respond as quickly as possible. And... It typically, the more sleep deprived you are, not only are you, do you respond more slowly, but you can have these little lapses, these micro sleeps that actually make you respond significantly more slowly. And this is, you know, particularly in a military setting, if you're having these lapses in concentration, you can see that, you know, that's going to have implications for safety. So I get people to do these reaction time tests, and then I show them data about what happens to people after different levels of sleep deprivation. And particularly if they're sleep deprived, it can be quite shocking when they actually see themselves having these lapses, these failures to respond. Uh, I think that's quite compelling. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. And it might be useful for anyone just even to use that story to explain to their clients, look, it's not just your diet that we have to work on. This is actually also an important piece of the puzzle. Now, Riley, I know that you create, you combine the whole holistics from, I believe, nutrition to lab testing, to using a lot of tack yeah. to work with your, I call them overachievers, endearing overachievers, but <laughs> maybe you can talk, uh, talk to us about how, you know, how you can use those things in your practice and maybe things that some of your clients really, really appreciate as well. Yeah, clients really appreciate when, when you can break things down for them and make things super, 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 super simple. I think a lot of the time they really want to overcomplicate things. And if the solution isn't complicated, then they're a little bit hesitant <laughs> to really take it on board. It's one thing I've really experienced. So one thing I usually tell them is I, I break it down into pieces and I show them, okay, first we really have to get the exercise and movement down. Then we have to get nutrition down and we get the stress down. And kind of with that trifecta, we can really get the sleep down. And then I show them a, a cycle of how, of how now better sleep will go into all these other things. But when it comes to the three things, we really have our fitness, our diet, and our sleep. And we really have the diet down, which we know a lot about. We have the fitness down, which we know a lot about. But a lot of the time, people think that these things take a lot of work when it comes to food. They need three teaspoons of this for the new diet. And they don't actually follow it because it's too complicated. And similarly with exercise, they have to drive all the way to the gym. And they just don't stick on it. But what I tell them is sleep is something we're already doing anyway. So we can just optimize it and make it simple. And just these small, minor adjustments, it's one of the highest ROI things that they can ultimately do um, really in their lives. And they see improvements almost right away. And with that comes this taste of what their new version 2.0 feel like. And once they get that taste, they just want to keep doing it more and more and more. And now they really get on board with it. So it's really an amazing thing to see when you actually see them make the flip. Yeah, I agree. And that I want to throw the ball back to, to Jenna because one of the things that you need to deal with is obviously if someone is going to invest into sleep and mental health care is that tangible ROI. So how do you approach that with big health? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And, and actually it's really related to um, what Sophie was talking about too, because you're, we're essentially talking about what's the motivation for both the you know, user or patient, but then also what's the motivation for the employer or health plan that would, you know, might be providing the covered benefit. Um, and in, and um, I would say there's two pieces there. So one, because we are focusing on folks who are having significant sleep problems or mental health problems, uh, you know, it, it's um, not only are they experiencing distress, um, but we, the, you know, the health, the, the, the health plan or employer knows that those individuals are also going to be higher cost. Um, and uh, many of them are on medications for sleep, um, tip, often the hypnotics, but there's other medications like benzodiazepines that are typically prescribed. Uh, it turns out hypnotics and benzodiazepines both have black box warnings from the FDA indicating how significant the risks of the medications are and it's part of why they're not recommended as first-line treatments by medical organizations. And so um, that is, that's really significant because not only do employers and health plans understand that actually they don't want their people on these medications if it can be avoided, um, but there's also higher costs associated with those medications from downstream risks of falls and accidents. Um, though it's well-documented. So, you know, some of the some of the psychomotor um, problems that Sophie called out with relation to um, sleep deprivation, some of the same ones exist from using the medications for sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it, so in any case, that's a really important part of the value story is helping, um, you know, the, the helping the payer really understand the risks of those medications. The fact that currently those are that's often the only option that people are getting because of access issues. And so, um, and it's not the first line recommendation. And so um, we, you know, we can even look at claims data to kind of show how many individuals are on those medications um, and show data on the reductions in medications that naturally occur through people using our products and actually getting better and then being in a position where they can work with their doctor to taper on some of those high-risk medications. Um, so, and it works both ways because patients unfortunately don't want to be on those medications either. Um, generally speaking, again, I mean, like, you know, again, some people it's fine. It's, it's perfect. It works, but on average, um, actually 75% of mental health patients would prefer having a non-drug option. They just don't currently get access. So we're just trying to make sure that case about providing the value of providing access to non-drug options with just as much evidence, actually more evidence in terms of the safety and efficacy. Beautiful. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree that most of my clients were actually super scared about being addicted or not being re- being so reliant on sleep medication um, that they didn't like it. So I think that was one of the goals of each one of them each time if when they were on medication. They were also worried about it, like, frankly. So, right. So we covered a little bit of the sleep science and we're going to dive back into that because I find it fascinating too. But we have your coach. So when I find you work with people who struggle with sleep or who want to optimize sleep, a lot of it has to do with coaching them too. So it's not only the techniques, but it's also meeting them where they're at. Sometimes different settings obviously have different ways of doing that. But Riley, I know that you work a lot with one-on-one clients as well. Mm -hmm. Where does the coaching bit come in, for example? 
a coach. So we combine both the science and the coaching. What are some things that the coaches here watching could recognize themselves and then maybe also, you know, use as tools when they have a client freaking out again because they think they had a really horrible night? Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things, and you said it, is you really have to meet the clients in terms of where they're at. And when you can meet them where they're at, you can sort of use that pacing and leading strategy and taking baby steps in the right direction. And one thing I find with clients is they really like to compare themselves to other people's results. And it's really not the way to do it. They have to stick to their own results. And also uh, one other thing that I, I utilize too is taking the client's data and seeing where they're at, setting a baseline. And now they can sort of see where their own progress is at as we begin to make improvements and seeing where the numbers are. And you almost become this coach that guides them in the right direction while at the same time making them not strictly focused on the numbers, it's a bit of a, a balancing game to play based on how they feel subjectively and what, the, um, and what the objective numbers show. And it's always just meeting them where they're at and slowly pacing them to the next week or whatever that next follow-up session is. Um, I think yeah. it's the most important, keeping it very simple. Yeah, I agree with the base. Just take like a general recommendation. It might be completely off for them in terms of that, well, your personal circadian rhythm or whatever doesn't work that way. So don't freak out. Cause that's what I see a lot with people. They are like, my tool told me I sleep horribly, but actually they're totally fine, you know? So it's unnecessary stress sometimes. So I think it's really important to have that guidance there. Sophie, how does that work with your clients? Do you ever have people who come and they say, you know, I have to deal with this. This is stressing me out. Um, and where do you meet them and what are some typical coaching situations where you can't just say here's scenario A, but where you actually have to ask the right questions to figure out what is happening? I think the really important, it's really important to understand the kind of the boundaries around what's coaching and what's medical care. Uh, and I'm I'm really cautious. I mean, I, I trained in, in medicine originally, and then I did a PhD in uh, health psychology, but I'm not a clinical psychologist. Um, and I'm also not a sleep apnea specialist. Um, yes. And there are a number of different conditions which can affect your sleep. So I think when it comes to coaching, you know, I, I don't need to be a nutritionist to encourage someone to continue to eat a healthy diet. Um, you know, I can absolutely give them lots of encouragement to go in the right path. Um, but I wouldn't want to cope with, I don't know, some, some allergies that they might have because I'm not qualified to do it. And I think think when it comes to sleep coaching um, it's just sort of being sensitive to the fact that there are a lot of different sleep conditions out there uh, and for a lot of people that just need a little bit of um, tinkering it's about small habits repeated a lot of times to make gradual changes but actually if they've got a clinical insomnia then they need an evidence-based solution and and CBT a solution with the best evidence um, obviously alternative so I guess I encourage people to be aware of the, the boundaries. Yes, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of the times where I feel you have to meet the mental stress levels that they are at and do stress diffusion throughout the day, making them aware of what might not be necessary stress in terms of helping them with resilience. And that is also where I'm going in how we can incorporate certain things into practices or into health coach businesses because obviously you can look into becoming a sleep coach and you know learn different maybe even learning cbt to help your clients but how can you maybe even take some aspects that you can implement straight away where you as a normal coach or as a regular health coach might not have thought about so 
Jenna, I know that you are also combining this, that you make this accessible for health coaches to also, you know, help their clients or support their clients a little bit more targeted. So if someone wants to figure this out, what would you, where would you guide them to find some resources from, from your company? The thing about health coaching is brought to you by Your Coach Health, the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching. An ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the eight and a half billion global population by 2030. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So, because yeah, our focus is about expanding access, right? And so we see, you know, there's a lot of pieces to doing that. And so um, for folks that it would really benefit from having, you know, added coaching support, to, you know, using a program like ours, that's wonderful, you know, for, for, for them to be able to kind of pair those. Um, and equally folks who are in, you know, um, in traditional healthcare systems, whether they're working with a psychiatrist or a psychologist, um, it's great to be, to pair programs like ours. And we've actually done a lot of that within um, different health systems um, with um, primary care physicians and mental, mental health um, specialists as well. Um, but in you know in terms of um, in terms of coaches, I think getting familiar with um, our our program Sleepio or for sleep or daily for anxiety, um, I think the starting point is we provide you know, tons of information about them um, on our website as well as um, a, re- a variety of resources in terms of like reviewing the research, and in that research um, there there um, you know discussion of different models of implementation um, within that and and beyond that I think we're always welcome to. Uh, different types of practitioners reaching out to us. Uh, and so we do um, certainly maintain relationships with different clinicians and practitioners who want to be recommending our products um, to their, um, their clients. And so I think that's another way for coaches to think about um, integrating things like ours into their practice. It's not something we've like fully scaled up at this point, um, but we are definitely um, always open to kind of hearing from different coaches and practitioners and thinking about how we can support them in their practice. Yeah, I agree. That's a great, I think it's a great tool. So everyone should check it out definitely to see what, what they can use from this. Now, I think most of you do work with CBT, if I understand correctly, so cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so we know that you sleepio, you have tools as well. Uh, Riley, I know that you use certain tools as well. What are some things where you think, okay, this might marry very well with a more general practice, but it's focusing on sleep that you think you could recommend to someone who might not say, I want to only focus on sleep. What would be your tool? You think, you know, anyone in a general practice, this might be helpful to add to your arsenal to help your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say one for tracking is the aura ring. That one's really good for sleep and just generally through the day, how you're, how you're feeling and the accuracy they're showing on it is really high compared to the other devices that you measure. But I would say just general day to day, um, one is improving your heart rate variability. And this, this overlaps to your physical performance, your mental performance, your stress, which is really associated with sleep. 
um, and just people overthinking a lot of their issues. So there's a device called um, the, there's one called the Muse 2, which is a meditation band. And then there's one by HeartMath called M-Wave 2. That's really good. It connects to your ear. You play games with your breathing. It's called biofeedback. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I love the heart math, I have to say. I use it for myself. I used it with my clients if they were up to, because some clients respond really well to these things, right? So yeah. I definitely recommend that too. So yeah. for anything that you find that is that you like using? I'm, I'm laughing because um, I also have an aura ring. Um, <laughs> uh, I... I I originally got it because I was working with a client and uh, they came to me and said, oh, you know, look at my sleep data. I was like, wow, this is so cool to be able to, to track this level of data. But they were also incredibly anxious about it. So actually the most useful thing that I did for them was to tell them to put it in a drawer for three weeks. Yes. And they were about to take it out again when they stopped caring about that data. Because, you know, the most important thing about your sleep is really how you feel during the day. And so they, there's there's definitely a place for these tools. I think they can be incredibly helpful for uh, reminding us about what our routine looks like and trying to keep um, some, some good regular sleep habits. But there's also uh, being aware of, of their limitations. But in general, like really when you're thinking about um, a corporate setting or any environment where actually you've got a case to make, having more data is very helpful. So um, I've done some work as well with First Beat, which is another heart rate variability tool, and uh, it tracks sleep patterns and also tries to, to track that kind of stress um, recovery balance. Uh, and any of these tools that you can use on a large number of people, as soon as you're starting to collect data and you can compare different shift patterns, for example, um, that can be extremely compelling for making changes internally yeah I agree absolutely I'm really loving this because I think you know we have different parts of this and it's it, one of the questions that we that I wanted to ask you guys is to how to implement sleep as part of a general program so we have the tools that we can add I think most health coaches do it already but I would love to do like a little there's a new name for this fire round fire session I don't know it's a horrible name but if you have someone who is helping people with their mental health or their wellness in general and they haven't considered sleep yet what would be your number one reason that you would give them to prioritize sleep or not maybe prioritize it but at least to include it in their program so I'm going to go the other way around this time so Jenna I'm going to start with you what would be the number one reason if you had someone who has a wellness program and they haven't considered sleep as a part of it yet what would you tell them why should That's they do such a great question um <laughs> I was remembering uh when I was in uh middle school algebra I had this algebra teacher that the first day of class he told us he was going to teach us the quadratic equation and it was going to make everything in our lives better, that it was going to make our sex lives better. And that, I remember everyone, that got our attention before we were all like, what? What is this quadratic <laughs> she equation? She should say that. <laughs> he, he really said it. He really said it. And I, but I, and it, and it's clearly stuck with me. Um, but I, but I, but I think it like that it's, it's kind of like, that's what sleep is to us. It is not only does it make your sex life better, but it makes everything better, right? It is so core to your functioning. So it's your baseline physical health, to your mental health, um, and to, and into how you're feeling every, you know, on a day in day basis into your, like an extreme performance and productivity. 
And so like the, that, that's, that's the case, but you know, granted, if you're dealing, we're dealing with people with mental health difficulties and real sleep difficulties. So usually for them, the case is literally just getting a little bit better sleep and just starting to move the needle. Um, but in the end, it can really just improve the, just all of life, just whole, all of quality of life. That made it really difficult for the others too, because it improves everything, which is very true though. But you might have a different spin on it, each one of you, right? What do you usually, if you had someone who was like, yeah, you know, I help everyone with their weight, their well-being, sleep, oh yeah, it's cute, but you know, <laughs> what do you tell? Yeah, well, sleep is one of the most restorative things that we can do for a mind. And if we don't sleep, like I think the stat was if we go 48 hours without sleep, you're considered clinically insane versus like we can go four days without water or three weeks without food it just shows the importance yeah we don't stress it as as much as we need to but during we sleep like in the first half of sleep we repair our physical body in the second half of sleep it's really our mind in those deep forms of REM sleep and this is where we consolidate our memories what we learned the day prior um, it's where we release human growth hormones really recover bodies physically and it's all these other things that if we're not getting proper sleep then we're kind of we're kind of sacrificing what, what our body naturally does anyway so why not get a better sleep and really improve that and again the ROI is just so high with it yeah a different spin I love it I absolutely love this so if you're watching you pick what you want and you put it on your website please and on your in your program of course as well Sophie what would you tell someone who is having a general opinion but just doesn't prioritize sleep with their clients well, I think what coaches are really good at doing is getting to know people really well. And so for me, it would be about really listening to what is the most important thing to that person, because it is, as Jenna has said, there will be some research out there which underpins the fact that sleep is going to help them to achieve whatever it is, the goal is most important to them. So, you know, if it's a teenager, well, you know, maybe it might be about having a better physical appearance or actually passing their exams. Um, if it is a grandparent, it might be about having more energy to spend with their grandchildren. Like there is something that is going to resonate differently with different people and I think what coaches are brilliant at doing is highlighting what is most important and therefore how sleep can help with that. I agree I agree and then the last point that I want to do is to encourage everyone a little bit that yes you do have people like us who are very clearly sleep focused let's put it that way I don't want to say like pros and experts like yeah yeah, yeah we are but still <laughs> Anyway, one of the questions that might come up is, well, I haven't done an exclusive training on this. Um, so can I even, you know, advise my clients on anything sleep? And it's interesting because in the very beginning, all of you said that a lot of the things are very simple to do. So let's spin back to that a little bit to give encouragement to people who might be literally intimidated to even say anything about sleep because they haven't really dug deep into it. But what might be some of the most basic things that are actually helping sleep that any coach who had had any training in health might prioritize or implement or just highlight a little bit? What would be your third piece of highlights that you could suggest them to do so Riley let's start with you what they can do to improve their sleep to improve their client's sleep so if they feel intimidated because they haven't taken a certification and yeah. in sleep or anything like that what is maybe the most 
the better way of asking this question is probably what is the most overlooked mm-hmm. small thing that you found that people just underestimate? Yeah, definitely. One of the biggest is, again, just keeping it simple and just those foundational things. So one of them is just not eating four to five hours before bed or, you know, not exercising. 45 hours, no, four, or four to five. Okay, I was like 45 hours. <laughs> I die. <laughs> okay, four to five um, hours, yeah. And, you know, just those basic, those basic lifestyle things that you're implementing. And when, when it's nighttime, just putting on maybe blue blue light blocking glasses or something that your phone already has for the, for the night mode. And when you wake up, expose your eyes to the sun and just do things within your day that just naturally integrate already that you can sort of stack these habits together. And and if you make it simple for your clients, then they're going to be more willing to follow your advice um, and stick with you for the long term how do you do that do you usually do like a checklist for your clients anything like that that you do yeah I have a 10 point checklist that they go through that that's just the foundational things and then we kind of do that while setting their baseline and then once they get that all down if there's any problems still lingering usually that solves about 70 to 80 percent of people at least who are trying to optimize things and then for the remainder that's where you know more advanced lab testing and stuff like that will come in but that's a really good framework to work from at least Perfect. And then Jenna, you have, obviously you have the tech and there is, you know, CBT, but if someone says, okay, I haven't trained in that, I don't necessarily want to take another huge certification to learn this. What would you say is a simple thing to get started with? Uh, Well, so, um, so, and we actually, our program even does this too, um, essentially um, to, to Sophie's point, um, it personalization is so important. And so I think you know, through asking some basic questions about someone's sleep patterns, um, it, that can help be like an initial guide. Um, and in our Sleepio program, we'll give someone an initial sleepio, sleep score that can kind of break down, here's like the simplest thing that you could, that you could do um, right away that may help. Um, but I would say one of the ones that comes up um, probably most frequently for people um, is that they often stay in bed even when they're not sleeping. And so I could say almost universally that that is not recommended. Like there's almost, <laughs> there's no one out there that should, you know, should stay in bed if they're not sleeping, because ultimately when you do that, you are training yourself that the bed is a place of distress around sleep and um, it's going to make it harder and harder to sleep. And you, and that you get increasingly focused on trying to sleep and not sleeping and we've all been there. It's a terrible feeling. So if you don't fall, if you're not asleep within 15 minutes, you need to get out of bed and do something else quiet, you know, but where you're not focused on going to sleep. Um, and the same thing is true. If you wake up in the middle of the night, um, if you're awake for, you know, estimate, you don't need to set a time or anything, but like, it feels like, eh, probably like close, you know, getting over 15 minutes at that point, it's time to just get up, go to the couch, you know, do a little reading or something like that until you start to feel sleepy. Yeah, I love that tip. And then Sophie, what is one of the things that could be easy to implement, even if you don't have a specialization on sleep education that you can do, that you find still works? Uh, I I think my most favorite powerful technique is just to get out of bed at the same time every day. 
Seven. Oh, eight. interesting. Yes. Uh, so it might sound a little painful if you've got to give up your uh, weekend lion, but because our body clocks thrive on routine, if you can try and keep the same routine seven days a week to within an hour, I'll give you an hour at weekends, then it's just really going to help you. Your body can anticipate the time that you're going to wake up. So you get a good old injection of cortisol to get you out of bed in the morning. And it can also anticipate when you're going to go to sleep. And so you start to release melatonin and your body prepares for bed so regular routines are king when it comes to sleep beautiful i think we had loads of interesting information for super super practical to maybe what you want to aim to at the future to maybe sending your clients to if you have someone where you feel you're out of your depth and then obviously you can reach out to all of three i, I suppose the people can reach out to you if they have any further questions so make sure you do that and yeah, I think that was it for our round today. So thank you so much for the three of you for taking the time to have our community here with sleep education. And hopefully we will have the ripple effect to have lots of healthy, healthy coaching clients who will be sleeping super, super well. So that's it for us. I'm Christine Hansen and have fun with the rest of the Simplow Museum. Bye bye for now. Bye.